Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Crawford of MD Hackmaster, Andy Brandt Bernard, Cassie Schrader. Ladies and gentlemen, the TV show Legend Hunter premiering Tuesday tonight, January eighth at nine p.m. Central Time, ten p.m. Eastern, of course, on Travel Channel. Pat Spain, our special guest, up next. KQ. KQ. Not KQ. KQ. <laughs> Tom, Tom Bernard, Bernard Show. show. What a, I got a million things on my mind. I really do. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, Back in 2014, having some problems with the engine, uh, do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, a uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> That's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. What is this, funeral music? What do you got cooking? No, this is Blaze of Glory <laughs> by Bon Jovi. <laughs> by Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. It's from that Young Guns. Young Guns, I remember. That was a good Definitely movie. Definitely sounds yeah. westerny. Yeah. yeah. It does indeed. Pat Spain, our special guest, Legend Hunter, premiering tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central on the Travel Channel. Pat, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? 
marvelously well, except, you know, the, the, working with some people is just, it's unbelievable. We had Cassie <laughs> played Elvis Presley, uh, played Elvis Presley song on his birthday, but didn't know it was his birthday. Way to go. Oh. <laughs> Elvis would have been 84 today, Pat. I'll just point that out. 84-year-old Elvis Presley really? as of today. It's always yep. someone's it's, You know, this is also... Uh... This is also Alfred Russell Wallace's birthday, the uh, co-author of The Theory of Evolution with Charles Darwin. Oh. Yeah. Very good. It's his birthday today. Tomorrow, <laughs> my dad, my brother on the 10th. We got all kinds of people. <clears throat> Their birthdays. Very Legend good. Hunter. I want to hear all about, uh, look, uh, I'm just looking at some upcoming episodes of Beast of Bray Road, Jack the Ripper Revealed, mm-hmm. Stolen Crown Jewels. This is right in my wheelhouse. I love this kind of stuff, Pat. Excellent. Me too. <laughs> Well, I would hope so. I think it's a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, okay, the Beast of Bray Road. Pat Spain travels to Wisconsin. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, we're in trouble. Right next door, Wisconsin. Elkhorn, Wisconsin. So you travel to Wisconsin, and, and I'll just uh, hand it over from there, because I want to hear you right from the horse's mouth, as they say, about these travels you go on, places you go, things Absolutely. you learn. I love this stuff. <laughs> So that was, a, that was a really fascinating one. This has been um, kind of these ongoing persistent sightings of a werewolf-like creature in, uh, in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and the surrounding towns. And um, headed out there, I hadn't really spent too much time in that part of the country before, so I really enjoyed getting to uh, explore, you know, all hours of the day and night all around the, uh, the farm country out there and get out to Bray Road to see what was going on and uh, get some real field biology in there, you know, looking at the, the known local wildlife and comparing that to the uh to the sightings yeah that's about, now where is elkhorn i i mean i'm sorry we're right next door and i go to wisconsin all the time but where's elkhorn it's about 40 miles outside of chicago and i could not give you any better oh, direction there, than okay. that because i can i can get lost in a parking lot yes so i have no idea no, no. way southeast so yeah <laughs> Near, far from yes. geneva Lake Geneva. Yeah, Near yeah, Lake yeah. Geneva, okay. Yep. Okay. All right. So they, these people claim they see a werewolf-like creature roaming the area. That's it? Yeah. So I, people have seen it on the side of the road. People have said that it's chased their car. It's scratched their car. Um, it has glowing eyes. Uh, all of these kind of great, uh, you know, really... Really uh, well documented and uh, pretty mysterious attributes that they put on this animal. Uh, so I went out there. I'm a biologist and started looking around at you know what are the known species that are out there. And when you say werewolf, you start to think about real wolves. Are there wolves out there? What other predators? Um, what other prey species are there? And how can we uh, try to figure this out? How can we, you know, using camera traps and using other technology, how can we get in there and try to see what could possibly be causing these sightings? Because I talk to these people, and they're definitely seeing something. 30 times, it says. They've been sighted more than 30 times as werewolf. Um, yeah. Pat, Pat, in some ways, do you think people see what they want to see? So in in some cases, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, and I think that I'm pretty good at being able to tell uh, the people who are kind of spinning a tall tale from those who are genuinely confused by what they've seen. And all the people that I talked to on this seem to be giving me just the facts. They were telling me uh, what the thing looked right. like. They were hesitant to, to come forward with it. They were hesitant to be on camera. They didn't want people to kind of laugh at them. You know, and it's sure. just your, your brain goes, your, bla- your brain kind of plays these tricks on you when you see something that you can't put into an easy category. And the this thing that people were seeing, the the best description they could have for it was werewolf. Now, the people that I talked to, if I asked them, do you really think that this is a werewolf, they'd all say, no, 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 you know, werewolves aren't real. But it stood on two legs, it had long claws, it had long fangs, it had a long snout. It didn't look like any of the known animals, and I've been a hunter for 40 years, so I know everything in this oh, area. Okay. It's like, now, where did all you right, grow up? all right, I gotcha. I grew up in upstate New York. Where did- Oh, you did? Okay. All right. Um, yep. So i got to tell you something, Pat, and this is fairly new for me. In the last year or so, I've gotten these little floaty things on my eyes, these little bubble formations. or What, what do they call them, actually? Kat? Floaters. Yeah. They're just called floaters, yeah? I, I mean, there's a real there's a term no, for it. No, they actually call them floaters. I, they're like, called oh. floaters, yeah. okay. I'm not sure, yeah. The reason I brought them up, Pat, is because I, they just developed in the last year or so, something like that. 
And I could tell you at first when when I first started seeing these things, it looked like someone was moving in my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it looked like a human body moving just because I think my brain told me something's moving. It must be a person. I think my brain tells you yeah. that. Your, your brain tells you that. Yeah, there's actually a term for it, and I can't remember what it is right now. Polyploidy, maybe, Psychosis. or something like that. Um, no, 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 I can't. Andy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but there's, there's a term that we uh, we are deeply ingrained. Humans are deeply ingrained to, um, I wish I could remember the term, but we, we make a human face out of oh, things that pareidolia. we see. Yeah. Pareidolia, that's yep. it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So we, we tend to make a human face and human shapes out of things yep. that we see yep. that we can't easily characterize yep. because we are, we are communal creatures. We're more, uh, you know, we are, we are programmed to live in a community and to live among people. So we're programmed to see these things uh, when we're out somewhere. This was not a human that people were describing, though. This mm. was definitely, you know, the, the best no, description right. they had for it was werewolf, but the characteristics that they were giving it, you know, uh, I think that on the show we show that they're – I'm pretty sure we figured out what it could be. <laughs> really? Yeah. But you don't want to – that's tonight, right? Oh, no, that's January, January 15th. No, no, that's, that's the next one. Yeah, tonight is Lizzie Borden. She's back. Which was no, fascinating. Yeah, so that, that, that's local. I'm in Massachusetts, and this is a story that everybody's grown up with. You know, everybody learns the rhyme when you're a little kid. Lizzie yeah. Borden had an axe and all that super uh, happy, fun stuff. And um, so it was great to get to investigate something pretty close to home. But what I had always heard about the case that people take as facts, turns out that maybe they aren't so rooted in the truth. So I took the... yeah, I took the the approach to this one to go back to the beginning and um, kind of ignore everything that you've heard and look at the, the actual court testimony and the real facts of this case and separate that from the stories and the mythos that's, that's uh, surrounded it for the last century. Now, Pat, you made a reference about, uh, I don't know, two minutes ago, and uh, you said you're in Massachusetts, right? Correct. Okay, the, the only thing I have to tell you is do not bring up the NFL to me since you're in Massachusetts. And my Vikings <laughs> choked again, Pat! Luckily, I am not a sports fan. I actually don't know anything about any sports team. <laughs> All right. And uh, my, friend, my friends still make fun of me. I called the guy on the Patriots. I called him uh, Tim Brady a couple times. I have no idea well, what I'm talking know. about with anything with sports. <laughs> so. I like that a lot, actually. I, I like that a lot. I seem to be the... Yeah, I'm the one who tends to kind of gather our friends, and I, I'm kind of the organizer. And uh, mm-hmm. I sent out an email chain to get people to go to a Red Sox game. And in the title of it, I put Red Sox, S-O-C-K-S. And they still <laughs> never Whoops. forget it. So. Whoops. Yeah, S-O-C-K-S yeah, not, is not, not going to work. Right. Not, well, you know, our son Andy, who's on the phone uh, on the show, he's 32 years old. And he, he, have you ever even... Spent more than five minutes watching a sporting event, Andy? Well, yeah, when I was a kid, when you used to have Fitz and the gang over. But I didn't really Watch understand what I was seeing. You were there for the pizza and the yes, wings. Yes, so, so I was. <laughs> you for the Same. food. Same here, exactly. <laughs> I love going to any of them live. And I love being in Boston. I mean, it's, it's a really great, this, sure. this is my adopted sure. home. I love this town. And um, I get into the games, you know, if I'm there live. But, but when people talk about them, they get into the stats and all the players just way over my head. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess the teams are doing well, so that's good. I don't know. <laughs> and you don't care. Yeah. And Tom, you don't care Not either. a bit. Tom, I don't want to pick it a Minnesota, a bit. Minnesota scab, but uh, he's got a lot of championship teams he could be watching there. Uh, Almost every major uh, men's sporting team, the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Patriots. Yeah, they seem to have had national championships. You know, they have a plethora of that. They're flush with it. They do. They are flush with it. Everyone around me seems to say, but. (laughs) But not you, which is, I I find that very cool, as a matter of fact. I have to ask you a question, Pat, because on January 22nd, coming up in just a couple of weeks from today, Jack the Ripper revealed, are we still terrified even all these years later? Because there was no such thing as a Jack the Ripper serial killer before Jack the Ripper. I mean, going back now, you find out there probably are. But he was the first one we knew of. And to this day, all these years later, we're still terrified of Jack the Ripper. 
Yeah, it's this this really biz- uh, not bizarre, but it's this really intriguing fascination that people have with this case. It was the first real yep. serial killer sensationalized case, and that's because kind of a confluence of events. Um, there had been, I mean, first of all, it's the name, the the name that was likely coined yeah. by the media to sell to sell these penny dreadfuls, which were also just out. Yep. Um, this was kind of a new occurrence. Was this mass media? Uh, you know, these really cheaply, uh, quickly printed newspapers that were sold for a penny and just contained horror stories just to scare everybody mm-hmm. and to sell the papers. So they coined this, this name, Jack the Ripper, for this killer. And um, it just it grabbed people's attention. And this was, um, there were murders all the time. There was a lot of death going on. At the same time, there was someone called the Thames Torso Killer who was leaving uh, dismembered torsos in the River Thames, you know, occurring pretty much simultaneously with Jack the Ripper, just didn't have as catchy a name. <laughs> and right. um, a few years before, there had been a, um, a sort of Robin Hood-like figure who was named uh, Jack as well. And Jack had escaped police custody a number of times, so was still kind of a local hero in a lot of people's minds. So then they get Jack the Ripper, and now it's this whole, and you know, spring Jack and all of this this kind of history of this name really grabbing people's attention. So now we've got Jack the Ripper, we've got Penny Dreadfuls, and you've got um, high society in London suddenly paying attention to what's happening in the kind of shadier parts of the East End, which was, you know, basically a squatter's village. Um, Really horrific conditions in Victorian era. So all of this is happening just to to grab people's fascination. And then the, the inability to solve it for all of these years and the, the literal dozens of suspects that have popped up over the years just continue to fascinate people and get kind of amateur detectives to pick their, uh, you know, who's your favorite suspect? Because you've got 85 to choose from. Yeah, you do, including members of the royal family, a doctor, all kind. They thought Jack the Ripper was many different things. Yeah, and that that was the other thing was the whole um, the whole theory with the royal family and with the the um, surgeon. This all really played into this uh, amazing, you know, almost soap opera esque story that people just ate up at the time and still continue to find. I mean, we're they're still making movies about it. You've got the From Hell with Johnny Depp and uh, mm-hmm. right. you know a couple right. more recent films and. Yeah, it's uh, it's and there's Jack the Ripper tours. I mean, most of Jack the Ripper right. London is gone. Right. The areas are so different that you can barely even recognize them um, compared to what it would have been in his day. But they still have these tours that, ah, oh, man, I can't remember the stats, but it's something like a million people a year go on these Jack the Ripper tours. We did that, didn't we? Did we? I yeah, I think we. Yeah, we went into this dungeony sort of thing. Yeah, I think we did. That was the did. Tower of London. Oh, great. No, no, no. <laughs> No, we went on a jet. We saw something Winston, of, Winston we, Churchill's bunker. Huh? No, that's not. We went on something. We went on something about Jack the Ripper. I know we did. Oh, did we? Yep, we did. You know what's amazing about yeah. that is that at the time the East End was uh, a lot of a lot of Jewish immigrants lived in that area. So there was a mm-hmm. there was an anti-Semitic uh, side of the story that people don't even know about. That's been kind of uh, you know laid aside these days because it, a lot of the women he he killed were Jews, weren't they? Uh, I don't believe that they were, but there was a writing in blood that could have potentially implicated that group. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was this, this writing that was left, but it's never been shown whether that, that writing was actually from Jack the Ripper or whether that just was in the same area or whether it was to throw people off the trail. Um, yeah, there's so many twists and turns to this. But I genuinely think we, we did find some brand new evidence that had never come forward, never come to the light uh, for the public to see before, and um, tied together some kind of disparate pieces of this story to make a, um, a case. And in the end, I never expected it, but I really think we figured out who it was. I am convinced. Ladies and gentlemen, I am, I am sold. Pat. That, Pat Spain, Legend Hunter, premiering tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central Time. It's on the Travel Channel. We will be watching, Pat, so wave to us. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks and for And I'm going to do Pat. a Facebook Live tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do a Facebook Live at 8.30 tonight also. Wonderful. Excellent. We'll come back. Well, th- uh, you know, throughout the season, we should talk to you because it sounds, it sounds like a great show, and I, I, I'm really looking forward to tonight. Uh, of course, uh, Beast of Bray Road, Jack the Ripper, Stolen Crown Jewels, all kinds of stuff coming up. Pat Spain, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the chance to talk to you. 
We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. No, I can't be found. I sit at home all alone. Little pretzel, ladies and gentlemen, on his 84th birthday. So listen, if I had lived to today, I'd be rocking and rolling with the best of them. I wonder if Elvis would have talked like that if he'd have been alive today. Do you think think that's a possibility? I don't know. He had that kind of southern... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But Tom sounded more like uh, old Billy Crystal. Yeah, or like some old Jewish <laughs> yeah, guy. <laughs> what? I, like, I loved it when he went, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I love Billy Great. Crystal. <laughs> I do, too. I think Billy Crystal, he's a really nice man, too. Really, yeah. really good guy. Um, everybody there, uh, Catherine, you as well. Why did MasterCard remove the word MasterCard from their logo? It's just the red and the yellow or gold circle now. Do they not want people to know it's a card anymore? I no, think it's probably the word master. Yeah, I was going to say, is or that a microaggression word? word? Master, no. you know, MasterCard. You know, master. I know, it's like in real estate. It's like in real estate where everybody is supposed to call the master suite the or the master bedroom, yeah, the, yeah. Owner's the owner's suite. The suite now, yeah. But mm-hmm. everybody still calls it the master bedroom. You very rarely see somebody putting in owner's suite. What's next? Ownerbation? Oh. No. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, you know that, that, that's exactly right. That's right. Exactly. Catherine's throwing up right now. We'll be back to you. <laughs> oh. No. no, she's not. She just. Well, I, master. I, I, according, to Catherine, be, according to Catherine, be clock patient. <laughs> By the way, the audience is saying they can barely hear the bumper music, so we do have to turn it up a little bit. But that's oh. cool. They can hear it, but they can barely hear it. So we're just saying a little louder be good. You no know, big okay. deal. Um, actually, Ralph, I, I, looked remember, at, I looked at Elkhorn uh, on the map of the area view on Google Maps. Oh, yeah. Not a place for that uh, beast to hide. There's a lot of farm country. A lot of farm country right around there. Oh, a lot of open land? Yeah, a lot of open land, so. So it's in the no forest that he can live up in a tree? <laughs> There's a little bit around some of the rivers, but that's about it. That's about it there. So. I'd like to know something about Sasquatch and werewolves and you know, all the stuff. It's funny nobody ever has come upon them sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why don't they ever walk up and, oh, look at there. There's a Sasquatch that's sleeping. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Why? And why are all the pictures blurry? That's the other thing. He's so elusive. No, they are blurry. That's true. That's He's right. an elusive creature. Is that what it is? Yeah. He's an elusive creature. He doesn't like to take photos. Why do we need those, do you think? Because obviously they wouldn't exist unless we needed them for something. Why do we need Sasquatch and werewolves? Um, a lot of it, I think, it becomes legend. Uh, if something in the village or what, like Chupacabra, we were just talking about that uh, during the break. Um, Chupacabra, like, it. It's um, Hispanic. I think it's more of like in Guatemala, Mexico, in that area. Uh, farmers would come out and their goats would be dead, like completely like drained right, of their blood right. or whatever. So they, I think they think it's something supernatural because it's not normal. Um, but people have taken like one somebody said that they caught a chupacabra and killed it and then had it stuffed. And all oh, it yeah, all yeah. it is to that looks like to me is like a coyote or some type of wolf with mange. 
So I'm thinking they somebody probably saw something like that, and like oh, that doesn't yeah, look. I mean, yeah. if you if you Google a, a, a like a black bear with mange, it looks like a supernatural creature. It doesn't even look like a bear, like completely devoid oh, really? of all hair. It looks hor- horrifying. Like if I came across that in the woods, I would <laughs> have to change my pants because <laughs> it's terrifying looking and um i'm thinking that's where a lot of that stuff stems from those legends if that makes sense yeah i think you're probably yes Mm -hmm. i think we always want to uh, try to uh, come up with something that explains the unexplained yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why you know we we talked about what's the term again the term pareidolia pareidolia Mm -hmm. you do that because you want to interpret something as a comforting thing rather than as something that's that's not comfortable so you'd rather not see it Think of uh, the thing you see as a beast. You want to think of it as a human who would be friendly. So, so we need we need things like werewolves and Sasquatch and ghosts and all of those things. We need Dracula because we're really afraid and we can't understand why we're so afraid. Is that what it is? Yeah. It could, it, or it could be uh, just diffuse of uh, being fearful of just the, your surroundings and you just are trying to right. uh, put it in some sort of context in your own mind and your own conscience. Okay, so Ralph, I'm showing I'm showing Ralph a picture of a bear with mange. Now, if you came across that... A bear that, with mange? Yeah, looks yes. like chupacabra to me. If you came across that... No, it looks more like a, it looks more like a bear with mange. Yeah, but I mean that's terrifying looking. Like if you just came across that but in the woods, it, but if you look, like, but if you look at that bear with mange, that's exactly what that thing could look like. Yes, the, down by Elkhorn, and they they have bears there, don't they? Around there? Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah, well, they could. Yeah, think but so, yeah, yeah, they're not bears. Bears without hair are not cute. <laughs> they're hideous looking. So, so the take- I would like to point. I'd say the takeaway from the, the show would be: do not wax a bear. Do, yeah, don't wax <laughs> no, a bear. No, don't wax a bear. That's very true. No, that's very, very true. I did notice one thing, though. So Elkhorn's about 40 miles north of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Why don't we ever see things like werewolves on the south side of Chicago? Why don't they ever <laughs> roam that neighborhood? Why are they never not? Why, they're never seen in the inner city. Have you ever noticed that? They know better. <laughs> I know, I, and I know who would have had an answer for that. Unfortunately, he's not with us. I mean, Richard Pryor would have an answer for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why, you know, that's right. What? Yeah. That's right. You're absolutely right. He would have the answer for that. Well, here's why, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, what's wrong with you? He, bitch, what's wrong with you? I still, I, God, I love it. I love that. We had a dis- we had a discussion this morning on the Cakey Morning Show about the word bitch and bitchin' ride. Why did it become bitchin' rides, meaning a, it's a good ride? It's a really cool ride, a bitchin' ride. What does that mean? I try. You understand that? that? Why did that come? Well, just you know, it's, it came out of the opposites of the '80s, I guess. That was it's a, a bitchin' thing, or was it the '70s? I don't I, remember. Yeah, I don't. One of those, but I mean, it's it's like uh, I got a problem, and it's a real bitch. What does that mean? Yeah. And there was also, uh, you know, I, I I don't mean to talk about the morning show that much, but I was listening. There seemed to be an aversion to a certain word. That uh, you know needed to be challenged. Oh, mother effer? No, it was it was it was another word. It was sort of a, a tradi- let's put it this way: it was a traditional word used for uh, uh, feminine genitalia. Oh. Oh, vagina. Oh, you mean? Oh no, you're talking about. No, we're talking Count about the, we're, we're, ta- we're talking about the word. <laughs> no, I think Tom, you put it up. For, they were putting. It's the word. It's the word that British people. No, it can't say oh, correctly. Yes. Or Australian? <laughs> so, it, it, no, it can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they say the word can't, and they mispronounce can't, so it sounds like that other word. All right. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and then Brittany pointed okay. out that she loves to put a Y at the end of it, so it sounds even more disgusting. Uh, <laughs> but Uh-oh. where did that word come from? Because apparently it was the first reference to female genitalia was that word. Yeah, and why did it become? But I, I don't something. know what the hell that means. And, and I think it, some of it has to do with like the word Jack the Ripper has more of an alliteration to it, and that same word has that alliteration, which yeah, it, it makes people uncomfortable. With the sound of it yeah. makes you uncomfortable more than anything else. That's fair. I do like it when British men call each other that, though, because that you don't you never hear them calling women that. They always call men that in England. Yeah, yeah. Bill Burr uses it a lot too. He uses it a lot. He calls men that. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Bill that too. Burr. Yeah, you know it all works out in the end. But uh, I, all of these things, you know, these words that are so offensive to everybody, like the word "master" is now offensive. And I have a question for you. 
So all of my life, these things meant different things. But now because you've decided that they're offensive, I can't use them at all. I'm sorry. I'm not giving up my culture just to make you feel better. Well, the na- the word master isn't something that's used master. that often. Master lock. Oh, yeah. They better change their name. You're going to have to change your name. Ralph, what was the MasterCard called when we were kids? It had a different Diners name. Diners Club? No. Nope, it had a different name. Is that name. still a thing? Same logo. Had the same logo, the red and, and gold circles uh, intertwined. Uh, what was it? It was Master Charge. Oh, Master, Master Charge. Charge. That's right. Yeah. Master Charge, yeah. Mm. People forget that. I believe we but have they didn't want it on the phone. Oh, we do? I think so. Excellent. Hey, Excellent. Chris, how are you? How are you, Chris? Doing well. How are you? Doing just fine. Now, this is a whole different area we're entering. And we're just talking about why people... We just had a young man named Pat Spain on. He's got a great show called uh, Legend Hunter on uh, the Travel Channel. And we're talking about why people need these things like werewolves and Sasquatch and ghosts and all the rest of it. Whereas you deal in the, in the, the real world of some true monsters. I mean, these are human beings. You cannot believe... The behavior that comes from certain people. We were talking about this at the very beginning of the show, Chris. Chris Ayers, our special guest. Uh, topic of discussion will be FBI received whistleblower evidence in 2017 alleging Clinton Foundation wrongdoing uh, to the tune of about $5 billion, I've heard. Is that is that number close, wow. Chris? Uh, with respect to the actual allegations, um, I mean, that we haven't seen the actual reports of of what was submitted to the inspector general by the whistleblower. But I mean, that's the allegation. We're finding out so many things. And Chris, I should tell you that I tend to be a centrist. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I just am kind of standing in the middle looking at it going, Oh my God, can anybody get along ever? Is that ever going to happen again? But I'm hearing things now like, uh, Adam ruins everything, which is a pretty damn good show. It's a very liberal show in general, but it's also a very honest show. He was talking about the fact that everybody says, oh, college should be free. Well, the reason that it got it so expensive is the Clinton administration privatized uh, student loans, which was a horrible idea. And then, the, the, of course, the universities said, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to raise tuition now because we can lie to U.S. News and World Report and tell them we did a lot of things we never did to make our college look better. I, I, there's so many things that went on uh, in all these different presidencies. And now uh, I will turn, turn it over to you completely, Chris Ayers, talking about uh, the Clinton Foundation wrongdoing 2017. What, what, are we talking about something specific or a bunch of different things, Chris? Well, all administrations sometimes are misguided in how right. they actually implement policy. But what we're talking, what, right. what happened here is that a um, an FBI contractor um, reported and made a disclosure to the Department of Justice Office of the Inspector General in accordance with the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act. And the allegations had to do with the Clinton Foundation in connection with the allegations related to Uranium One and the FBI's investigation or lack thereof. We don't really know what the whistleblower's information had to say or what it was because the whistleblower followed the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act. And that's a mouthful. But what it does is enacted in 1998, and it provides a secure means for employees and contractors of specified federal intelligence agencies to report to Congress allegations regarding classified information. So it makes sure that personnel are eligible um, to to who have access to classified information can effectively report illegality, waste, fraud, and abuse while still protecting that classified national security information. So the contractor here, Mr. Kane, followed that statute, followed those provisions of the statutes, and that's why we don't have those, informa- that, those documents and that information in front of us right now, mm. because he followed mm. the, okay. the provisions and he provided that to the uh, Department of Justice to investigate. And then the inspector general forwarded that information along to Congress. And that's how this is supposed to work. When you see various other, you know, whistleblowers, um, 
in certain other instances in the past, you know, this information is then provided to WikiLeaks or provided to other news and media outlets. And as a result of that, those, those individuals with this classified information face incarceration and, um, you know, in penalty. Uh, so in this case, Mr. Kane followed the, followed the procedures. Now, what we don't know, because the FBI obviously did raid Mr. Kane's house, is did the FBI consider Mr. Kane's disclosure to be protected? Was the FBI aware at the time of the raid that Mr. Kane uh, made what appeared to be lawful disclosures to the Inspector General? And we just don't know. We also don't know the means by which Mr. Kane had removed this information and had been maintaining this information in his, in his home. Because one thing's clear is that this statute, while it protects Mr. Kane and any whistleblower with this classified information, what it does not do is it, that individual always has an obligation to protect classified information. So if he had removed this information on a flash drive and kept it in, in insecure means in his home, well, the FBI would then have grounds to make sure that it protected that information and, and the raid in that context would be perfectly lawful and legal. I like it. Chris, I need to take a very, very quick break. Come right, you can come back for another segment, I hope. Sure. Well, I'm here. Excellent. Andy, are we right about on time here? Yep. I thought so. We'll be right back in just a couple of seconds more with Chris Ayers. FBI received whistleblower evidence in 2017 alleging Clinton Foundation wrongdoing. So that's only a couple of years ago. Well, actually, the, on the calendar, it's only about 13 months ago. So we shall see. We'll be right back with Chris Ayers, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person. And the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Ooh, that's an echo. That's really echoey. That works for me, man. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Tom Bernard Show. Chris Ayers, our special guest. FBI received whistleblower evidence in 2017 alleging Clinton Foundation wrongdoing. Uh, Chris, I got to tell you, I also do a, a morning talk show. I've been doing it uh, in, the, in Minneapolis-St. Paul for 33 years. And I've basically taken the position that from what I've observed lately that Basically, politics in America is now just organized crime. It's people finding ways to bend the law to make money instead of serving the people. I would love to see them serve everyone, but they just won't do it. So how much, I mean, obviously there's no way to know this, or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a way to know it. How much of this is going on behind our backs and has been maybe forever? I don't know. But is politics too enticing? There's so much money involved. Is it just so much money you can't you can't turn away from just taking your uh, your chunk of that if you're a politician? Is that part of the problem? I mean, I certainly think money in politics is a problem, right? And it all comes down to a traditional sense that money is speech, and then, and speech. And as a result, speech is money, and so therefore money rules. And so you really have too much money um, flowing into politics in a variety of ways, and so that just goes with corporations owning, owning policy, owning the politicians and controlling the policy and the direction of our country. That's 
that's what we found since Citizen United is you have a lot of money coming in from all over the all over the world um, to a variety of different actors, and you can't yeah, really yeah. watch this money because there's not appropriate um, checks and balances in place. You know, Justice uh, Kennedy's opinion in that sense, he was, he was completely misguided um, when, when discussing kind of where this money is going to go. He gave a variety of speeches kind of at the time of Citizens United saying, hey, don't worry because we're going to be able to track where the money's going. And so if you don't like who's providing money to, to so-and-so, well, then, you know, don't vote for them. And then you can, and then you can um, voice your concerns in the um, polling booth. But what we found is that's just not the case. I mean, this money is extremely difficult to track. You don't know who's accepting what and where it's coming from. I mean, there's a big problem during the Trump presidency, right? And so um, it's just really, it's really difficult. And so as a result, these corporations and money just have a humongous voice. And so you just really don't know. But Yeah, I, I, the whole thing is just, I kind of wish people, and maybe, Chris, it's just because this has been such a contentious era we're in now. And we talked earlier, uh, last hour on the show, about the fact that it seems every 50 years, everyone hates everyone else. And you can, uh, you look back, you go all the way back to uh, the Revolutionary War, and every 50 years, they line up into whether it's the, whether it's the North against the South or it's the Democrats against the Republicans or whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, assassinating presidents. People every 50 years, it seems like they have to go through this phase where they it's not really a cleansing period. It's a just I am sick to death of all things that are happening. And I, I put that squarely on the politicians. I think they have far too much power. They're supposed to be public servants. I You know, the fact that you're even. Uh, being implicated in a in a uh, you know a Clinton Foundation wrongdoing of it, how did that ever happen? How does it even come up come above uh, about if you're doing your job serving the people? Well, transparency is always key, right? And transparency is yep. very important. And let's be clear that if we were able to have transparency of where of who's funding what politicians and what politicians are doing, um, we would have a much greater sense and clarity as to their kind of, yes. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, motive behind various actions. But that's also, I mean, that's also why whistleblowers are so important. And really, you know, sometimes whistleblowers, as, you, as, as we found in, you know, Mr. Trump has contemplated calling them rats and whatever. But these mm-hmm. people are heroes. They, they do what is, they do the right thing when the right thing isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do. And they're really the ones with the courage to expose fraud and corruption and other illegal or unethical misconduct within an organization that is either public or private. So, I mean, these people speak truth to power. They see something wrong, and they do something about it. Because, I mean, how often do people um, see something that they think is wrong, that they think is illegal, they think is corrupt, they Mm -hmm. think is wasteful um, and just unethical, but they don't know what, what to do or where to go to seek advice and counsel. And, um, and if you don't know what you, what you would or should do in those situations, you're in good company. Most haven't spent much time considering how to report fraud, waste, abuse, illegality. And so it's just important to seek advice um, and counsel to basically make sure that you're protected but in, in speaking the truth. Um, and make sure that you don't face any reprisal. But it's these whistleblowers, it's these people that speak truth to power that are really the, the safety line, the people that make sure that we have proper transparency and that if people, if politicians or corporations are engaging in a variety of, of unethical or illegal conduct, that that comes to light and that people are able to take action against those malicious actors. Chris, do you think it uh, is it is danger inherent to that job? A, a whistleblower is it a job that's inherently dangerous? I certainly would think so. Well, it can be. It certainly can be. I mean, when people speak truth to power, power usually reacts, and that usually reacts by mm-hmm. some form of retaliation or reprisal. But however, there's. I mean, for instance, my firm and myself have come up with proprietary and and um, innovative ways to protect whistleblowers' identities in many cases. Um, and so whether you're talking about private, um, speak, being a whistleblower in the private context, talking about corporate abuse, 
um, greed, or you're talking about public context, where you, which is we're talking about here with the with the um, FBI contractor. There are a variety of ways to protect the identity of the whistleblower to make sure that they're insulated from reprisal, they're insulated from retribution, and that they are able to live their life without the threat of the of reprisal over the shoulder. To you, is there a way that these whistleblowers? Uh, do they gain more power, or are they just people who report things? I mean, it, is it worth their while to do? I understand it's the right thing to do. I do absolutely understand that. But is there some benefit for them in doing this? So at least they is there some reason they're doing it other than justice? Well, absolutely. I mean, there are a variety of whistleblower programs out there. There's the, there's the federal and state um, there's the Federal and State False Claims Act, which, which mm-hmm. provides for um, a reward, an award to the whistleblower who provides information. There's also an SEC whistleblower program. Um, and there's a, there, there's a variety. There's an there's a, um, IRS tax uh, whistleblower award program. Um, so there are a variety of different ways that whistleblowers can recover um, monies from their activities and as a result they can get anywhere from 50, 15 to 30 percent under the federal false claims act um, of the monies that are recovered as a result of and based upon the information that they gave the justice department so that it can be it can obviously be lucrative and that's the incentive upon which these programs operate um, over 36 billion dollars have been recovered um, under the Federal False Claims Act. The SEC's program is, is really on fire of late and gave out the most awards it's given in its history in 2018. It's recovered over a billion dollars. So these, these programs are very successful because of these whistleblowers who have the courage to speak out. And as a result, they're rewarded for their, for their activities. I think it's a wonderful thing. I, I really do, the, the fact that people step up. But I think it's a wonderful thing that you report on them, you, you talk about them. I don't think people are getting the, all the information they need if they watch. And I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either one, whether it be Fox or CNN or MSNBC or any of them. They're not telling you the 100% truth on any of those channels, do you think? No, no, no. I don't think cable news is the place to get um, honest reporting, or necessary. I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't take that back. Not honest reporting. Full reporting. I think they all have their political slant. Yeah, there you go. Um, and as a result, they're literally that. But I mean, they're, they're definitely not. And I don't want to suggest that they're fake news. They're absolutely. I mean, you go on these. these they, they're trying to do their best in the reporting, but they obviously have viewership issues, and they want to make. They're obviously speaking to a certain audience. I love that you, you brought that very thing up, and it's true. Uh, they have viewership issues because people don't watch television news anywhere near as much as they used to. So an example of what I was, was asking you, Chris, is just last week when uh, Representative Talib came into office and called the president uh, a mother effer right in front of her children and everybody else. But what I found odd about that is, she said, we're going to impeach that mother effer, okay? I don't think she should have said it in the first place. But here's what really, really upset me. She did it at a moveon.org little party or whatever they call them. It was an organizational gathering for moveon.org. Moveon.org was found saying, let's move on from this impeach Bill Clinton thing. We don't need to impeach Bill Clinton. Let's move on. That's where moveon.org came from. And at a meeting of moveon.org, you say, we need to impeach this mother effort. Did you kind of miss the message of what moveon.org was all about, lady? I mean, it's, it's insane. Are people that stupid now? Do people not care? Well, I just think it's. I, I I think people are just motivated by, by their by the specific things. Um, I guess specific issues that are in front of them and not necessarily behind them. And so, you know, I think she she, that in in fairness to her, I think she sees a whole lot of hate speech and a variety of stuff coming out of the presidency and out of this administration. And I think she was reacting to that. Um, maybe not the best use of use of vocabulary and not the best setting. Right. But. Um, I think we're all in a very difficult time, and in many ways, 
whether yes. you're on the left or the right, you're kind of grasping at straws of how necessary to proceed in these times of these very difficult and challenging times. 100% correct. Chris Ayers, thank you so much for your time today. Learned a lot. I appreciate all of your time and your, your, your viewpoints. Uh, the fact that you would take this subject on in the first place, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, to hear what actually is going on is a wonderful thing. Thank you again so much for your time, Chris. Hey, thank you very much. Appreciate being with you. Bye. Absolutely. So, what? Oh, Catherine's laughing because the dog's over here growling no, while I'm talking no, to Chris here. I'm sorry. It was just because he knows the podcast is going to end. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, in a few minutes. He's like, he gets all zesty. How does he know that? Because uh, he, honey, runs into the studio when it's time to do the podcast. No, he does. He knows. But right. remember last year when he got into the stamps and you were, you were like, yep. "What happened to all my stamps?" And he was just covered in stamps. He comes out. covered in stamps. He, he was. Just, he just was in this little cabinet, playing uh, with the, God. trying to get the stamps again. Oh my God! <laughs> Don't worry about my feelings. Jude, it's all out of the stamps. Oh. So he did get the stamps. They're not there. Did he get them? No, I put him up here. Sure, cat oh, would never sleeping. do that. He would was... yeah, cat would never do that. And no. never get into stamps. Pops would chew them, happened. but he wouldn't like. Jude like shredded what? them, threw them all over the place. Just got himself and he had covered him in stuck stamps. to his body. All yeah. he, he had, stuck, had stamp. Oh, he did. He had stamps stuck to him. I did. I think I posted them on Facebook. I think. Oh, really? yeah. Who got into the stamps? They were all over his paws. My mother-in-law, my, my past mother-in-law had, had four four little girls under about five or six, and she just. One day she just wanted to have some rest, so she just laid down on the floor, and the little girls were playing with S&H green stamps. Oh. <laughs> and, she, and she was there, and, and she was just as long as they were quiet, and she knew they were around them, and they had been putting them on her face very carefully. <laughs> and the doorbell rang. She jumped up, went to the door, and she had green stamps all over her face. I love it. I love it. That's Absol- great. That's kind of like my old fireworks story up in Moorhead, Minnesota. Did you ever hear that one? No. True story. Uh, so I moved to Fargo, North Dakota in 1975, 76. I think it was 76 because, uh, you know, pissed off everybody, so I had to go work up there. But I thought it was really cool because you could buy fireworks in North Dakota. Problem was the station was in Moorhead. Uh... Moorhead's in Minnesota. So we got this four-inch pipe that was about six feet long and tied a bunch of bottle rockets together on one fuse I would, I would uh, load the cannon, and John Messenger would hold the cannon, and we were shooting fireworks at the towers out in the tower field at the radio station. And there was about a, I would guess, half a mile winding road to get back to the radio station. And I looked up and said, ooh, the cops are coming. And everybody panicked. I said, what's the problem? Fireworks aren't legal in Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> I went, oh, what other than that? So they go hide. I said, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. So they are, they're all hiding. There's a knock at the door. I open the door, and there's a deputy sheriff standing. He goes, what the hell are you people doing shooting off fireworks? I said, we're not, officer. And he goes, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> and I said, what? What are you talking about? He goes, just stop doing it, or I'm going to come and arrest all of you. And he goes and leaves. I go, right, well, officer. He goes, don't lie to me. I know you did it, and stop lying. I go into the men's room, look in the mirror. My face is black with gunpowder. <laughs> Wow. So there you go. It's kind of like the girl with the S&H green stamps, man. <laughs> Only it was gunpowder. <laughs> that's exactly right. Clear thinking all the way. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show. 